we all think that once something has been restored, in other words, a filling or a crown has been placed, this is a dental restoration, that that has a long life. In other words, it, it is the last restoration needed on that tooth. And of course, that is so far from the truth. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Ask the Dentist. I'm Dr. Mark Berhenna. been practicing for about 36 years and I am here to tell you that there is a different style of dentistry out there. It's called functional dentistry. Again, most of you know this and have heard me talk about this for over 10 years. It's the way I've practiced. I've practiced this way, probably started doing it seriously 10 years into my career. So almost three decades. And let me tell you, it is a much happier way as a dentist to practice. I can give so much more to my patients. There's so much more gratification. And that is why one of the reasons we have a directory on our website for functional dentists. You can find a functional dentist in your area. Why not go see a happy dentist, right? I mean, someone that is gratified by the the work he or she does. So anyway, I thought I would just start off with that. It's a slightly different angle on things. I do talk to a lot of dentists. Most of them are functionally minded or kind of halfway there. They get it. They're interested in it. But again, this is not in the dental curriculum. So they are looking for help and for more information. And so it's just a joy to be able to speak with them. But anyway, they're out there. Go to the directory. You can get all this information via our directory. I think we're over 200 dentists now worldwide. And the good news is that that list is growing. And the growth is has been, just recently, has accelerated. Uh, and so... Again, the curriculum is going to change. Uh, there's a major dental school out on the East Coast that has a new dean. They are reaching out to many of us, and they are wanting to find out what what would this new curriculum be like. So that's exciting. There are other changes we're seeing, tipping points, big research facilities that are now, because because they are interested and, and excited about, as they should be, the oral microbiome and the discovery of that, they are now changing their path. Again, big battleship with a small rudder. That's what any profession, any healthcare profession is, medicine, dentistry. But the rudder has been turned, and there is the beginning of some turning. <laughs> and that excites me. That's one of the reasons I do this. So I just wanted to, to add that. Another thing that people are asking me about is AI, artificial intelligence and what what role will it play in medicine and in dentistry and and i mean they're right it is going to play a big role the question is or what will the results be and i'm going to talk a little bit about that based on today's question about recurrent decay uh, the question comes from anita and it's a really good question it's something i really haven't talked about recurrent decay that's decay that happens underneath a filling that was put there 10, 20 years ago because of primary decay. In other words, there was a cavity, and then the filling is placed, and then over time, decay appears under the filling. And the question is a great one. How the heck does that happen? And is that something we should all be worried about? And then I'm going to talk about how AI may have play a, a great 
uh, role in in that. I'm not going to get into all aspects of AI and the doom and gloom aspect of it. Um, we at Ask the Dentist are experimenting with AI uh, for collating information, building outlines, but we will not let AI write the article because I have not seen really any uh, other than well, actually, it doesn't save time because by the time I see the blog post or the piece, I have to rewrite it or some someone on our staff has to rewrite it. So it's not there yet, but it does have a great application in dentistry and we'll, we'll mention that as well. So anyway, let's get to the question right now. Hey, so I'm getting a filling done on a tooth that already has a filling. Apparently there's a cavity under my filling. A, how is that possible? And B, like what are the effects of having a cavity under a filling? Anita, a great question. I think most of us, and I'm including some practitioners, I'm sure very few, but they, we all think that once something has been restored, in other words, a filling or a crown has been placed, this is a dental restoration, that that has a long life. In other words, it, it is the last restoration needed on that tooth. And of course, that is so far from the truth. Plastic fillings typically last 7 to 12 years. Metal fillings will actually last longer. Uh, crowns, if really well made, then they can last maybe up to 20 years. A gold crown can last a lifetime. That's just the nature of the the seal between the crown and the tooth, the the integrity, the marginal, what we call the marginal integrity of the restoration. But let's stick with fillings for now. So there are, we, we call this recurrent decay. This is decay that comes after a filling has been placed. It, and there are two types. There's leakage. In other words, the filling starts pulling away from the edge of the tooth and bacteria get in and they work their way down and they can actually get underneath the, the, uh, the filling. Um, although that's not that typical. Usually recurrent decay ha- happens at the margin. This is where the filling meets the tooth, and that actually is quite visible to a dentist. And that's why we use that very um, very sharp little poker. It's really called a pigtail or an uh, explorer. And that has a very specific sized tip on it. And over a period of time, it actually wears out and becomes ineffective. So the, it's, a, it's, it's a, almost like a piano wire that's been hardened, and it's got a sharp tip on it, and that allows us to palpate the tooth surface. And as we run it from the surface of the filling to the tooth, we can see if there's a margin or a ledge or an opening. An opening, of course, would mean recurrent decay. So that explorer is is quite important. Make sure your dentist is spending a lot of time or your hygienist is spending a lot of time with the explorer because there are certain things that we cannot see but we can feel. So it's really a combination of seeing and palpation, feeling the tooth surfaces, and, and that hopefully your dentist and hygienist are wearing loops. That really ups the ante a lot. We're able to see a lot more if we're wearing magnification. Uh, those are those little telescope things that we wear on our glasses and makes us look like neurosurgeons. Boy, do they work, though. I would not, if your dentist or hygienist, for that matter, is not using loops, of any kind of magnification, it starts at around two and a half. I used four point two five x. Some endodontists will will go higher than that. This is a very important thing, and your dentist should be using loops. Anyway, back to recurrent decay. So 
that's recurrent decay at the margin. And then there's what we still falls under the category of recurrent decay. There's decay underneath the filling. And that's a different type of decay, perhaps. The etiology or the, the reason for that is decay was left behind when the filling was done the first time. And unfortunately, that does happen. It's very difficult for a dentist to know how far to go when removing decay. There's a lot of kind of proprioceptive feedback with the drill. Uh, that's why it's always good to use a slow speed drill when you get close to the end where all the decay is about to end. And especially if you're close to the nerve, uh, you'll know, you'll be able to tell the difference between a slow speed and a high speed. The slow speed spins slower. It has, it doesn't have that high pitched frequency, that, that high speed scream that some patients refer to it as. Um, and it vibrates some more. Uh, it rattles. Uh, you can really feel a lot more vibration. Uh, that is a slow speed, and a special burr is put in, and you're literally scooping uh, uh, collagen out, infected collagen that no longer has uh, hydroxyapatite in it and phosphorus and calcium and, and all sorts of other minerals in it. That is what decay is. It's a decalcified uh, tooth surface, and, and typically we're talking about dentin in this case. So, and then sometimes, and I did this often, it takes longer. I would have a special set of spoons, excavators, they're called, or dental spoons, and they come in different sizes. And I literally would sharpen them. I would take a stone that the hygienists use to sharpen their instruments, and I would sharpen my spoons so that I could get in there and by hand remove the decay that was close to the nerve. And the beauty of that system is that you're not tentative because with power drills and power tools and pneumatic high-speed drills, sometimes they're electric, you can overdo it and you're not getting the feedback that would tell you that you're hitting hard tooth surface and that you're done removing the decay. So the spoons were great. Uh, it took a little longer. I enjoyed doing that because I could really scoop out the decay and the spoons would just just dead stop when they hit fresh dentin or healthy dentin or the decay had been removed. And also the patients liked it better. There was no drilling. <laughs> so anyway, um, so again, that's as an aside. But but okay, so there's decay underneath your filling. You're a little bit surprised, Anita. A lot of people are surprised. Fillings don't last as long as one would think. And if the filling is done poorly, uh, and then obviously decay, bacteria, will start leaching in and leaking in uh, we use the word leakage, and leakage kind of gives you the image of something leaking out. This is leaking in. In other words, saliva is able to leak in, and in with it brings you know a lot of anaerobic bacteria that don't like oxygen. These are the bacteria that typically are responsible for tooth decay and gum disease, but that's a different matter. So anyway, so the filling that gets put in maybe over time or immediately, depending on how well it's sealed to the edge of the cut surface of the tooth starts leaking and then bacteria get in there and then the filling doesn't decay. It's the tooth next to the filling that decays because of course it's still susceptible. And it's even worse actually because you're not able to get to it with a toothbrush. Once those bugs get in there, um, you have no access to it. And that decay, as long as you're eating food, which most of us do uh, constantly, that will be feeding those bacteria in there. They're very protected and they will decay. So, so the question is, you know, what are the effects of recurrent decay? 
it's it's substantial um, because, as I said, you can't get to it. But here's the problem. You may not be aware of it. And if you're not getting regular dental x-rays, which I don't like, and obviously patients don't like because we're worried about the uh, radiation, but if there's a filling that looks like it's breaking down, that would mean a good dentist will go in there and say, listen, I'm not sure what's underneath that, and you should be concerned. There could be recurrent decay. Of course, uh, dental history is important. How long has the filling been in there? Who put it in? What techniques were used? Um, that's important as well. Uh, then you need to know if that recurrent decay is there because one day you will have pulpitis, throbbing uh, throbbing tooth. It could be so bad that you'll need a root canal. So the, the effects of decay underneath a filling are a little different than the effects of fresh decay on a smooth surface of enamel or in a groove on the biting surface of the tooth. Again, recurrent decay comes in two forms. It's, uh, it, it's from... Uh, remaining decay the first time that the dentist went in and maybe it wasn't removed. And if it's not removed, then it will continue, uh, obviously. But it may continue at a different rate. These bugs are have been covered and they the anaerobes will continue and perhaps the decay is, is more rapid, more aggressive. Um, a lot of dentists will seal the cavity we in dentistry we refer to the cavity as the space created by cutting the tooth, removing, uh, removing the the decay, shaping the cavity in such a way that the cavity means hole, right? Uh, the space so that it will accept the filling and bond well with the filling, uh, or retain a metal filling. Metal fillings are not bonded in; they can literally fall out if the shape of the cavity is not engineered correctly. And we also worry about breakage of enamel rods, and and the the edges of the surface have to be cut to different at different angles uh, to the tooth surface because if they crumble, then you get that leakage, you get that recurrent decay. And then the so a lot of dentists will after they finish uh, designing the cavity, and they think they've removed all the decay. And of course, they use that little explorer. We run our explorer over it. It has a different sound and feel over decay than it does on solid dentin. Then we varnish it. We use a varnish that disinfects any bacteria that may have been left behind before we put the filling in. Uh, I hope this is not too much information, but this all relates to recurrent decay. So if you don't want recurrent decay, then obviously the first round of filling the tooth has to be done properly. So this is this is why it's important. And then the other form of decay, of course, is the filling breaks apart or pulls away from the edge of the tooth. Bacteria get in. You don't have access with, uh, t- eventually, with toothpaste and with brushing, and it will slowly get larger and larger. One last point, plastic fillings, which I recommend, uh, and my go-to is a product out of Germany, Admira Fusion, uh, lowest uh, issues with plastics and BPA. It's BPA-free, but as you know, BPA-free products are free of BPA, but they added other things that are, in some cases, just as bad and sometimes worse. So, so um but plastic fillings don't have mercury in it. And they actually, if done properly, and they are more technique sensitive, there are more steps involved to do it properly. And that's why they cost 10, 20, 30% more than a metal filling. 
Um, these fillings can actually last longer if done properly. And it's because they literally are glued to the tooth. They, there's this mechanical tagging, we call it, where the resins will flow into a freshly prepped dentinal tubule. And instead of just two surfaces meeting, they're actually tagged or they're intermingling. And that's a better, uh, a better uh, union or, or joint. Uh, it prevents recurrent decay. It prevents bacteria from getting in. And it also imparts strength to the weakened tooth because when you cut into a tooth, you weaken it from tensile forces of, of chewing. So, so plastic fillings are great. They have to be done properly, typically in a dry field. Um, and it does take a little bit longer. But here's one problem with plastic fillings, and it's gotten better over time. Um, we call this polymerization shrinkage. So when the dentist applies the light to the filling that's been placed, sometimes several layers done in different layers or one solid layer, the light is what polymerizes the resin and hardens it. It starts this reaction where the resin will harden. That gives the dentist some working time. They can work with the plastic while it's soft, and then when they're ready, they can harden it by putting the light, uh, uh, the, the, placing the light tip uh, onto the filling. And that polymerizes the, the, um, the filling itself. If it's too deep of a filling, sometimes it takes longer to, for that light to get down there. And sometimes the base of the filling, underneath the filling, is not fully polymerized. It can be soft. That can sometimes... Uh, be the cause of recurrent decay as well, because that portion is not uh, fully polymerized, hardened. Uh, anyway, so that that occurs, and here's so here's the problem, and and less so today, but uh, even ten years ago, five years ago, this polymer, polymerization would cause the filling to shrink a little bit, and if the cavity prep it was not properly designed and if the filling shrinks a lot or if it's a big mass obviously bigger fillings will shrink more uh, it will pull away from the margin and you step out of the operatory and the next meals you're already getting food getting caught in between the filling and the tooth and of course that leads to recurrent decay as well so anyway um, leaving recurrent decay there long enough will lead to death of a pulp uh, decay unbeknownst to you until it becomes painful, will be working its way to the pulp. It's closer to the pulp because it's underneath the filling. It's already more than halfway there. And that is potentially a, a very, a big surprise to the patient, especially since they've had a filling done. So anyway, this is this is a, a great question. Metal fillings, I'm just thinking back now to some of the advantages of metal fillings. There were a few. They're less technique sensitive. They go quicker. They're less expensive. So the dental care is more readily available to some. But when you put silver and mercury, unfortunately, typically a half-half mixture, when the two amalgamate, it hardens. The silver will oxidize right at that margin where the metal filling meets the the tooth, the the cavity edge, and it oxidizes. And again, there's no intermingling or tagging or mechanical tagging of those two materials. It just sits there. The metal filling just sits there. But the oxidation products of that filling literally would keep that gap where recurrent decay eventually occurs, would keep the bacteria at bay because there were oxidation products in there. And the bacteria didn't like that. That's how metal fillings worked actually so well. You could put it in in a wet field with saliva. You place it. You just mash it in there. We call it 
obturating. <laughs> you, you mash it in there, you shape it, it hardens, and, and you're done. And recurrent decay, you really didn't worry about that as much. So again, plastic fillings are technique sensitive, but if done properly, I think they're better because they impart strength to the tooth. And of course, you don't have to deal with the neurotoxin that we call mercury that is in all metal, silver, alloy, amalgam fillings. Those are all the different names for it. So anyway, so that's kind of a smattering of of the the whole scope of recurrent decay it is a surprise to many and so the question is is how do you find recurrent decay let your dentist spend a lot of time with an explorer that little pigtail explorer uh, x-rays may be necessary um, if you have any sensitivity on that tooth, cold sensitivity, lingering or non-lingering, or any spontaneous pain, that could mean that there is a, 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 the beginnings of recurrent decay around the tooth. Get it, get it analyzed, get it checked. This is, this is very important to nip this in the bud. Otherwise, you're looking at a root canal or, and or an extraction and an implant. And that's a whole different ballgame. Try and keep fillings in the teeth as long as possible if you already have one. That is key. Take good care of them. Some plastic fillings can be, if there is no decay underneath it, but the interface has opened up a little bit, the dentist can reapply some resins and seal that or polish it, burnish it, several different ways of doing that. So anyway, I need a great question. Probably something a lot of us haven't thought about. Thank you so much for asking that. And lastly, the, the reason I wanted to speak about AI as it relates to dentistry and, and healthcare, uh, for that matter, because it kind of uh, connects well with this question. So again, the, in trying to find recurrent decay, it's difficult to read an x-ray. X-rays, I, I think a lot of patients think x-rays are definitive, that they're binary, that either there is decay or there isn't. And unfortunately, that is not the case. X-rays have gotten better over time. Digital x-rays, now that they're digital, we can apply algorithms to it. But now with AI, AI can read an x-ray and maybe better than what a human being can do. Uh, actually, um, computers have been used for a long time in mammography uh, in Sunnyvale, where I practice uh, uh, RD. I think RD2 was the name of the of the firm. Um, they had software that would look at mammography scans, images, and they were able to be more accurate in determining whether there there was a lesion or not. And the 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 same is coming to dentistry. And and I think this would be a great application of AI. We certainly need a regulatory body. We we don't want to let what happened with social media and blue screens and all that, how it harm, has harmed our young folk, our young kids, and, and society in general. There have been a lot of effects on new technology. And I think with AI, hopefully we've learned our lesson and we watch it carefully. We have some experts looking at it and managing it. Uh, whether that'll happen or not, I, I don't know. But in this very narrow case, I am for AI. I think AI will do a great job of finding recurrent decay, for example. That's how I'm connecting this. Uh, recurrent decay is hard to, to ascertain. In other words, decay in general is a shade of gray. It's not binary. It's not either that's decay. It's not because we're looking at a degree or level of decalcification of dentin. And AI may be better at that than we are. So we may be, as a dentist, we may be underreading it or we may be overreading it. False positive, false negatives. Um, and, and that would be a problem that has an impact on you. 
Either you're getting a filling replaced and you don't need it, or you're not getting that filling replaced soon enough and it leads to a root canal. So I think AI has a place here. You're going to start seeing it. I'm, I'm beginning to see talk of it. Uh, you will, it will be applied to algorithms. And because digital x-rays are, are here and have been for a long time, we can apply this technology to a digital image. If your dentist is still taking analog x-rays, where it's an actual film and they get dipped into a tank and developed, that's bad for the environment, it's bad for you because there's increased radiation, higher degree of radiation with analog films. And they're not, they cannot be, you can't apply any algorithms to it. Um, and even in the early days, I mean, I think I adopted digital x-rays uh, within a year or two when they came out. It was the late middle 90s, I think. And the first unit was a waste of money and it, you know, but I liked it, and the second unit was better. The third unit was amazing because I was able to take these x-rays, put them into my photography imaging programs, and manipulate it in such a way that I could see if there was decay there or not or whether it was an artifact. One one issue with looking at recurrent decay, sometimes you'll see a gap or a little dark spot underneath the filling, and it's not actually recurrent decay. It could be a very thick resin line. What does that mean? It means that the resin that was placed before, which is clear... Before the filling goes in, that's the resin is what helps glue the filling to the tooth, uh, helps that tagging. Sometimes that can be too thick. It could have welled up a little bit in a corner. It'll look like a dark spot on the x-ray, and it's actually not decay. It's sealed. That can be very misleading. So I'm hoping AI will be able to pick all this out. Sometimes we get bubbles. Bubbles are easier to pick up in the material because they have a very, very recognizable shape. They're round, uh, and we know typically where those occur. Although typically, if there is a bubble underneath your filling, plastic filling, uh, the dentist should go after that and fix that. So anyway, that's how AI ties into this. You'll you'll hear me talking more about AI, artificial intelligence, um, as it as it applies to dentistry, because I do think there's a place for it. I think this could be very exciting. It could save time. It could save money, and it could save teeth. And it helps us be better, more accurate, uh, more efficient uh, practitioners. So that's what I wanted to say about AI. Again, Anita, thank you so much for that question. Don't think we've ever talked about recurrent decay. So again, it's great to, to get these questions. It, it really brings, brings out a lot of information that perhaps I have not brought to you. That brings us to the end of another episode of Ask the Dentist. Again, Anita, thank you. That was a great question. We talked about recurrent decay, what it is, why it happens, and why you should be worried. And again, that feeling or of security of knowing, oh, I just had a nice filling done. My insurance paid for 80% of it, minus deductible. Everything's great. A lot of things can happen. There's, there's bad dentistry. It's a very technique-sensitive aspect if it's a plastic filling. And over time, especially uh, in 10, 12 years, you should start looking for recurrent decay. This is one of the advantages of sticking with a dentist because he or she is looking at their work. They know, based on thousands of fillings that they do, where things can go wrong. But if you bounce around from a dentist, from dentist to dentist, the 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 dentist is going to assume that it was just done poorly and and just and you know it's a foregone conclusion of them it's got to be replaced and that does doesn't always work well for you uh anyway that that context of having done the filling 10 12 years previously knowing the material uh knowing the techniques that were used there are many different types of techniques of placing plastic fillings those are all important things to take into consideration before diving in and replacing the filling if you are not 
able to have this conversation or, or you didn't know about any of this, you really do need to see or be speaking with a functional dentist. We have a directory on our website. Go to askthedentist.com slash directory. Uh, hopefully, you'll be able to find someone in your area. Keep checking back. If you don't, that list is growing over time. Again, the curriculum for functional dentistry is coming. There are some dental schools and some research organizations that are beginning to look towards the functional approach, and they will start teaching it. There will be many more dentists in the next 10 years talking, speaking, and doing fillings in the functional way. So to me, that's exciting. Uh, This has been a lifelong dream for me to see that. No more fluoride, no more mercury fillings, no more neurotoxins to the brain and to the body, and just a, a better way of practicing and more preventative work, more working upstream, looking at the root cause of how we arrive upon this disease. The, For example, the number one disease in the world, decay, tooth decay. This is not normal. We didn't have this back when in the Neolithic age. Uh, and then in the last five, six, seven hundred years, we've seen a huge increase in this disease, decay. And recurrent decay, new, new word for you, another way of getting a cavity. Again, if you have any more information, need any more information on dentistry and functional dentistry, go to our website, askthedentist.com. And if you have a question, I can't get to all of them, but I do pick out the ones that uh, I think have uh, universal appeal and some some teachable moments to it, like Anita's question today, that have some practical use for you. Go to speakpipe.com slash dentist. Again, thank you for the interest in oral health. I will be here next week and looking for more questions. Thank you for asking. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Ask the Dentist. This is a Resonant Media production produced by Drake Peterson and mixed by Mike Fry. Drop me a line at mark at askthedentist.com. If you have any comments or suggestions, I'd love to hear them. And if you liked this episode, please leave us a review on your podcast app. Thanks for listening and especially for taking an interest in oral health. Hi, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Just a reminder that this podcast is for educational purposes only. This podcast is not a substitute for professional care by a dentist, doctor, or other qualified medical professional. This podcast is provided on the understanding that it does not constitute medical or other professional advice or services. If you're looking for help in your journey, seek out a qualified medical practitioner. If you're looking for a functional dental care provider, you can visit askthedentist.com directory and search or find a dentist database. It's important that you have someone in your corner who's trained, is a licensed healthcare practitioner, and can help you make changes, especially when it comes to your health.